You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggreennation.com. This is BGN Radio episode number 160. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, we have a rare Eagles win to talk about. Isn't that crazy? I guess it's probably because the Eagles made a big change last week, and that change was clearly eating more right to sell and craft jerky, Jimmy. That's and right. obviously the listeners can do that too by going right to selling.com. Use your discount code BGN15. If it's working for the Eagles, it can probably do wonders in your life too. But the other big change, Jimmy, the Eagles made is at the quarterback position. Wait. Jalen Hurts. Oh. Yeah. They, they replaced Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts. I think we had to start there, right? We Give me your Jalen Hurts impression, like from the start. Uh, His numbers weren't you know, eye-popping in any way, obviously. Uh, the you know 100-plus rushing yards is, of course – um, you know, and I stat actually, what, what was the record that he set? Like a hundred rushing yards and like a touchdown pass or something. Like, I guess a, a rookie hadn't done that in their quarterback starting debut. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, his, his stats overall from a passing perspective, you know, they're, they're not going to stand out, uh, in print, but, uh, certainly I thought he played, he played better than what I was expecting. Like he exceeded my expectations. And I thought, you know, just overall he played well. And the one throw that I thought he made that was excellent was uh, to the front corner of the end zone to uh, Alshon Jeffrey, which was the touchdown uh, where he stood in and he took a big hit. And the throw was on the money. And But the way that he just stood in and, and uh, showed some toughness taking that hit uh, was impressive to me. And then the other moment that I thought was impressive from for him was really the whole uh, end of first half drive where he made a couple plays with his legs uh, first running down the sideline getting out of bounds stopping the clock and then running just straight down the middle of the field knowing that uh, they had a timeout to burn which uh, put them in position for an easy chip shot field goal which of course Jake Elliott missed but uh, those are the two moments in the game that I thought you know re- really showed what he can do uh, as a player uh, as a quarterback of the Eagles uh, otherwise, you know, I think we all saw just uh, his ability to make plays with his legs is uh, something that, I mean, Carson Wentz did it earlier in his career. We haven't seen much of that uh, this year. He did have some runs, uh, some games rather, where like he relied on his legs quite a bit. Like uh, uh, his ability to run was integral in the comeback against the Bengals, where they were at least able to salvage a tie. Although that was really more of him like running guys over than it was him running away from people. So, you know, Hertz is clearly a more athletic, uh, faster uh, quarterback than than Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I mean, at least we have a reason to watch. (laughs) These last uh, three games, he gave us uh, a reason to watch. On Sunday, the Eagles offense actually looked competent for the first time in a long time. So uh, overall, 
uh, I thought that, you know, certainly uh, Jalen Hurts is, is deserving of the praise that he's been getting uh, since Sunday. You mentioned Jake Elliott in there, Jimmy. I'd uh, just like to mention Jake Elliott has missed a kick, so either a field goal or an extra point in seven out of the Eagles' 13 games this year. Uh, and he just so happens to be the third highest valued kicker in the NFL. And the Eagles would actually lose $2.3 million in cap space by cutting him after this season. So uh, another great contract there for sure. <laughs> he's not going anywhere, but uh, yeah. yeah, he's had a disappointing season as well. But uh, back to Jalen Hurts there. Yeah, I was I was impressed. Um, if I had to grade it out, if we're given arbitrary grades here, arbitrary and reductive grades, I'm going to say like a B plus because I think when you add in the context of the Saints defense, which I think might have been getting like a little bit too much hype. Yes. It's like, you know, like as, as Seamus said on From the Bleachers, it's not like they're the 85 Bears out there. <laughs> right. but it's, like, it's a legitimately good, it's a really good, it's a good defense. It's not, it's definitely above average. It's, it's um in a number of metrics, they were like top five. So uh, it's a very, uh, it was a good defense and Jalen Hurts did some pretty impressive things. You touched on a lot of them, so I'm not going to repeat them here, but uh, the rushing specifically, just like seeing that mobility was big for me and refreshing because Carson Wentz has just looked so slow. Like I think that's a, a big factor in his decline and regression is he's just not the same athlete he used to be. And to see some a quarterback out there who is actually you know athletic and spry and can move the chains with his legs uh, the way Jalen Hurts did, he did it, I think, believe eight times in this game. That was big. And his mobility obviously made the offense look functional. I, I honestly think, Jimmy, and now I'm not saying they're the same players, but when I watched Jalen Hurts out there on Sunday, I was reminded of Russell Wilson, just stylistically, just a total stylistic standpoint of even just the throwaways, to be able to kind of hold on to the ball, and then uh, even if there was a good pass rush from the Saints, he could just get out of it and just throw the ball away, like because Russell Wilson does that all the time. And it's infuriating to watch if you're the team playing against them, because, right. like, you can't sack him. Right. Like, and some of those times it's grounding, but they don't call it. So so it's just kind of that like level of frustration. But along with that point, like those prevent negative plays. You know, Carson Wentz wasn't doing that. He was taking the sack or forcing a throw. And that would be a big negative play. To just, you know, have an incompletion is just, it makes a big difference to, to, to not have those negative plays. So I think overall, pretty impressive. For, encouraging is the word I would use. Uh, I think I used this kind of uh, way to describe a Carson Wentz performance earlier this year. I can't remember which one might have been the Steelers or the Ravens, but I, I said it's, it's something to build on. It's like, okay, this is encouraging. Obviously, there needs to be a lot of improvement here. It wasn't like, you know, again, the passing numbers aren't there. He needs to be, I think, a lot better with his arm or a lot more. He needs to prove a lot more with his arm, I guess I'll phrase it. Um, but overall, encouraged. And and it's weird, though, Jimmy, because even with all that, I mean, you watched Doug Peterson's post-game press conference, right, on Sunday, and sure. it was it was the most like muted, <laughs> yeah, version of a head coach I've ever seen after a win, a big upset win over you know the number one team in the conference. What did you make of that? I didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, it almost sounded more like the, they had, like any of their other losses this year. His tone after the game, so that was a little weird. He was. I think he was sort of going out of his way on the uh, – like there's been things made of, um, you know, Hurts – him not, you know, praising uh, Hurts' performance immediately after the game. And um, I think he just didn't want to be dancing on Carson Wentz's grave. <laughs> like so – like I think that's fine. Like he can maybe take the leap and say, 
well, does that make Carson Wentz soft? Well, Carson Wentz didn't have anything to do with that. Like Doug just kind of took it on himself, I think, to just not overpraise the guy who just replaced him. And I think that's fine. I think Doug has always done a good job being in tune with uh, sort of the quote unquote uh, emotional intelligence uh, aspect of of being a head coach in the NFL. And I think that was just an extension of that. So I, I personally didn't make too much of him not overpraising Hurts, but it was weird the way that um, he, like his whole demeanor was just like almost super grumpy as if they just lost another game. Yeah, I can totally buy into like not wanting to crown a rookie too soon. Like I totally that get too, that. Yeah, yes. Like I get that, but that's not what that press conference was all about to me. Like I, I understand if that's a reason, but I don't think that was totally the reason. I think there's, and when you couple it really with the reports that came out on Sunday morning that like Carson Wentz is still definitely, you know, going to be here next year. Like that came out from, I think like NFL Network and ESPN. It just feels like, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly where that comes from, but it's, it's clearly some kind of push. I don't know if it's Carson Wentz's camp or in the organization or what, um, that there's still like, you know, this pro Wentz sentiment here, you know, okay, that's there, but Jimmy, you know, there's been a discussion all year of like, you know, who's more to blame? Is it Doug? Is it Carson? Like, what's wrong with the offense? And I feel like, you know, I've been pretty clear that it frustrates me when it's just made out to be that like Doug is just a total idiot. Like, he's like that character of him peeing himself and his eyes crossed that like that you <laughs> right. do for your stick yeah. figure. And so he's just a total bumbling idiot. And he broke Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is actually fine when. Yeah, obviously the stats been floating around. You already know what I'm about to say. If you're listening to this, or you might be like Car- Doug Peterson without Carson Wentz now 11 and two. Like that's crazy to, to be that good. And I was diving into that a little bit deeper, and I looked at since 2008, or not 2008, 2018 rather, when Doug Peterson uh, and Carson Wentz have been together. For games against opponents that finished above 500 so we'll define that you know as pretty good teams typically playoff teams these are only three and 12 in 15 games and in five games uh without Carson Wentz they're four and one so so it's like quality victories here too without Carson Wentz my takeaway from that Jimmy is that I feel validated and somewhat in believing that like Doug is not the biggest problem here and, and it would be it would be so weird to me to make this like if, if they make changes in the off season to make it all about, okay, we just had to get rid of Doug. He was the problem. I do think he called his best game of the year. Like he's, he's called some pretty bad games throughout the season. And like, there have been certain moments during games where you look at a play call and you're just like, what is that? Like the biggest example being when they threw that fade to uh, the tight end, who's the team Butler. Is he even on the team anymore? Akeem Butler. He's on the practice squad. He is. Okay. This, I think that was. I think that's still only his only offensive snap of the year. It was at the time, like it was his first snap of the year where they threw that fade to him. But I, I still think first, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten in, NFL career, he, right? And I don't think he's been in. I don't think he's gotten a snap since. Anyway, um, but I do think uh, he he did call his best game of the year. Uh, coincidentally, as uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, becomes his new starter, and maybe there's something to that as well, where like. I actually had a I had a chat today. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, Watch. by the way. Uh, I had my Eagles chat today, and one of the questions that I got was, and I think it's a a worthwhile theory, where he said, "Is you know when he has Carson Wentz in the game, when he has when he's a starter, 
is that sort of the offense that he wants to run? Like, is that really like the offense that he wants to to, to be? He isn't to, to, yeah, like, is, is that what he wants to run? But then when they have a backup in, um, is it just that they ha- he has to, he's forced to run this more simplified version of the offense, which is actually better than what he would prefer to be trying out there on Sunday. And I think that's a, I think that's a valid uh, theory uh, that, you know, maybe just Doug, uh, you know, maybe overextends, uh, you know, what is necessary uh, during the game and, and should really just be simplifying things across the board, whether it be a backup or Carson. Well, I think it also speaks to the influence and power that Carson Wentz has sure. and even yeah. going to some of those reports and why Doug doesn't want to like, or basically Doug is walking on eggshells around here. And also the talk that Doug would kind of be relieved in a way if he got fired, because I think Carson has a lot of power here. And this is something I talked about when I had Joe Santalipito on uh, earlier on BGN radio this year. And I think a lot of that, like a lot of those things said in that conversation apply. And Carson absolutely has a big influence over this offense. It's, it's hard to measure. I think exactly how much um, I, I don't know how to parse everything perfectly, but I think the ultimate point is that Carson does ha- – I mean, it makes sense, like, given his personality. He's type A, he's alpha, like – and just even looking at what's happened, um, you know, the, what he's gone through in terms of, uh, you know, like, being this guy who, you know, everything was about him and it was working, um, and then it wasn't, and now he feels like the pressure to reestablish himself and everything. I, I think there's absolutely – there's truth to the, the dynamic there where – when Carson Wentz is in, he's dictating the offense. And when a backup quarterback comes in, they're just, they're just running, running yeah. the yeah. offense. And yeah. I think that's huge. And I think that's that's relevant. And I think that goes to explain at least somewhat the split there with with Carson Wentz and without him. It, it's really it's crazy. I guess where do you stand on on Carson Wentz, Jimmy? Is my question as a you whole. You mean as far as, as like uh, keep him, trade him, cut him? We've yeah, done I mean, that all season long with Howie and Doug. Yeah, maybe we'll do that now with Carson. Yep. So they can't cut him. That's and they they, they yeah. stupid too anyway. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and no one's arguing that really. I have seen a little bit. Argument. I have seen that a little bit. Really? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, not that they would do it, but I actually there's apparently there's some national reporter. I didn't look up to see who this was, but they said that you know the Eagles would have to give up assets to be able to trade them, which is just asinine. Like they're not going to. That's not. This is not Alshon Jeffrey here. Like this is not, it's not like, the NBA. Yeah, right. But it's also like I mean, those trades can happen in the NFL, like with Brock Osweiler, for example, a year ago. Uh, the Rams traded a keep to Lieb and uh, we'll be on the call to this the, week to the, uh, to the to the Dolphins. Um, that's not going to happen. I do think there is a slim possibility that they trade him this offseason. I think it's very unlikely. If they did trade them, they, they it would actually be a savings of a little bit under a uh, million dollars. They would be a cap hit of um, roughly thirty-three million dollars, which, as we explained, uh, I believe in the last podcast, <coughs> excuse me, is that um, it would dwarf the uh, previous highest dead money cap hit in NFL history, which uh, is currently Brandon Cooks. So if they were to trade them, they take on that $33 million cap hit. But the benefit of that is if you really just don't think that Carson Wentz is ever going to be some version of, you know, what, you know, either we thought he was going to be or what he used to be, uh, then he's off your books completely. You just take the big hit in 2021 
And then in 2022, you're free and clear of his contract completely. So that would be the benefit of trading him. I don't think they would ever do that unless they got something really appealing in return. Because when we talk about like sunk cost, that's easy for you and me to say that they should just view him as a sunk cost and move on. But that's easy for you and me to say when it's when we didn't pay any money for him. So like Jeffrey Lurie has already spent 56 million, more than $56 million cash money since uh, Wentz uh, re-signed with the Eagles, which was like 18 months ago. So for Lurie to sign off on any kind of trade, I have to imagine that he's going to have to see some kind of like really good return. And I don't know what that is. I think um, you look at, you know, past Eagles trades, you can point to like the Sam Bradford trade where they got a one and a four in return for him. I think that Carson Wentz has more value than, uh, Sam, than Sam Bradford did at that time. So I think that's sort of like the baseline. Of course, you know, they only got that one and four because, um, you know, extreme circumstances where the Vikings thought they were a contender. They lost their quarterback for the foreseeable future with a gruesome injury um, just before the start of the season. They don't want to give up on that season. They thought they had something there, so they brought in Bradford. You know, you might not have that kind of situation. And, and really, there's only two teams that really make a lot of sense to be able to even trade Carson Wentz to. And you'd have to marry quarterback need with uh, a lot of cap space. And the two teams that make sense in that regard would be the New England Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts, of course, with Frank Reich. So um, I don't think there'd be a heavy market for him if you only have those two possible teams, and who knows if either one of them would even have any interest in him. Uh, so I think it's highly unlikely that, uh, A, uh, I don't think that it's, high, it's very likely that you'd be able to marry up the Eagles getting compensation that would be sufficient for them and a team that wants him that badly. So ultimately, I think he's going to be on the team again in 2021, and he and Hurts are going to have to compete for a starting job in training camp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be likely. It's just, I guess I've reached a point with Carson Wentz, Jimmy, where I don't want to say like I'm out on him, but like I'm kind of getting there, really, just in terms of it's not even just him as a whole, but him specifically here in this situation. You right. Know what I mean, yeah, he like, could I be think, salvaged, whether that's here yeah. or somewhere else. Sorry, I'll I think continue. <laughs> I think the chances might be higher somewhere else at this point. I honestly that think that's the case. Um, it just doesn't seem like the Doug and Carson relationship like is there. And I think with Carson, my hope for him. And look, I'm rooting for Carson. Like I am not anti Carson. I wish. I think I said it before. Like I really wish none of this ever happened. I wish Carson Wentz was playing great. Like this isn't. I'm not trying to be. I hate Carson Wentz guy, but I think. Carson Wentz in his current iteration, not even talking about just on the field, I think it is incredibly naive to think that you just hire a new head coach and he comes in and he fixes Carson Wentz, especially when it comes to that mentality thing and the power thing we just talked about earlier, where how could you how could that be your selling point if Carson Wentz is the one still kind of who has all this influence and is dictating the offense and isn't even like, you know, adhering or, or fully benefiting from the guy you're bringing in to kind of fix him because quite frankly, he hasn't proven to be coachable. And that's a big issue. And I think he needs to be humbled. And I think that's what you're really hoping for for Carson Wentz out of this whole experience of Jalen Hurts coming in and playing uh, at all, well, whatever, just Carson Wentz being on the bench. You're hoping this humbles him. And he comes in and he comes in and he, he is more amenable to coaching. And that 
and more amenable to, you know, not and giving up power in the offense too. I think all of that has to happen. And I just don't really know what to make of that. Cause I think that just might be who he is kind of being that personality. He's very, he wants to be in control. So I have a high concern level. I really don't think it's as simple as you just bring in a new head coach again, and that fixes everything and he's going to look great again next year. So that's where I'm at with him. Although I think it's, it's a weird spot. So you think they're going to both be back then uh, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, but then do you think Doug is back? I don't think Doug is back. I mm. don't think that's right that he's not going to be back. Like certainly mm. if, um, so if, if Howie Roseman goes, then I think there's an argument to move on from Doug as well. If Howie stays, there's no argument for Doug to be fired. Like for him to be scapegoated in that way would be like utterly ridiculous to me. Cause clearly, I mean, we, we that was a big part of our, our last podcast was who do we place the blame on? And mm-hmm. we gave percentages to Howie, Doug and Carson. And we were both, you know, over 50, I forget what our percentages were, but we were both over 50% for Howie on that. So, uh, if Howie is, is, you know, allowed to stay, then there's no argument really for, for, uh, putting everything on Doug and, and shipping him out the door. But, um, I do ultimately think that, um, whether, you know, Howie stays or not, I, I actually do think it's more likely that, uh, Doug will be fired. I think it's more likely not that, that he'll be gone. Wouldn't it be amazing that just like, what, one, 2018, 2019, 2020, like, so three full seasons played right after a statue of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson was installed outside of Lincoln Financial yep. Field, and then, like, neither of them are there anymore, and one one got fired, and the other one, obviously, they just, they let go. And then right. well, he, yeah, I mean, he got, he got opportunity, I mean, he got paid somewhere else. Yeah. Jimmy, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors? So it is now entering the downtime of the real estate market. Not a lot of movement, uh, not a lot of people selling or buying homes at this time. But if you are looking to buy, sell, or rent a home, call Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Or if you're looking to maybe sell your house uh, when the weather starts getting nicer in the spring, um, Kristen can give you a free market analysis of your home. Uh, I mean that totally free and sort of give you comps of uh, homes that were sold in your area, give you an idea of what your home is worth. If you were to sell it in the spring, summer, whatever. Uh, Again, her number is 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 160. See a little peek behind the curtain, Jimmy. We weren't actually gone for the full length of the ad you just heard. We were actually just, you know, sitting here in silence for about like five seconds, uh, just in case you didn't know that. I mean, I think everyone knows that, but I always think it's funny how we pretend like there's an actual break. (laughs) Right. So beyond the quarterback stuff, which I figured made the most sense to start with. There's news. There's some news. um, If you still care about the season, which there's more reason to after the Eagles beating the Saints for sure. And I also think what we're about to talk about has long-term ramifications too. So Rodney McLeod, Walter, the Eagles Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate, you know, by all accounts, uh, does a lot of good work off the field. I think he's had a pretty good season uh, mm-hmm. on the field overall. Is really important to this team in terms of communication and whatnot. Uh, and then leadership both on and off the field. He's out for the season after suffering an ACL tear against the Saints. Uh, what is the impact of that to you? So Rodney had a in my opinion, a bounce back season from a bad season in 2019. You look at like the, 
the Eagles led the league in uh, pass plays of um, 40 plus yards in 2019. And a big reason that they've cut down on that this year is the addition of Darius Slay, first of all. And Rodney McLeod's played a lot better. Like Rodney McLeod was culpable for a lot of those long pass plays that they gave up a year ago. And of course, at the time, he was coming off an ACL tear that he suffered in the Jaguars game in 2018. Now, which game was it? I think it was the third game of the season, whatever that was. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, ooh. Colts. Was it the Colts? That was who they played third. I think you're right. Carson Wentz's first game. Okay, so he even had, if you look at it that way then, he even had, um, oh, I remember, it was in Jacksonville, we found out that it was an ACL tear. It, we didn't like we didn't know that it was an ACL tear for a while. We thought it was just MCL originally. Yeah. Anyway, um, he was so it's even worse than <laughs> in that like that happened early in the season, and now this ACL tear happens in week fourteen. So he's gonna have a shorter window with which to recover. And again, like he had that bad season in twenty nineteen, coming off the ACL tear. So he's now heading into his. Uh, his final year of his contract. I think it was just a two year contract originally. Uh, He's sending into the final year of his contract in 2021. He's got one of those contracts where the Eagles sort of uh, put fake money into years beyond his contract. So I think it's 1.8 million of his money that'll count toward the cap after 2021. So they'll keep having that. They have to keep paying for him uh, after he's, I don't know, like if he only played next year, and then that was it. He was gone. They're still paying for him thereafter. They have a lot of contracts. Like that. I think there's like, I think there's as many as like twelve players that uh, they have those kind of contracts with. With how he just continually uh, kicking the can down the road. He's another one of those guys they did that with. So uh, I thought safety was already a need uh, heading into this off season because he was heading into his last year. He's already into his thirties, and I didn't think that he was a really good candidate to to you know sign in twenty twenty two. And beyond, but now that's even looking like more of a um, of a certainty, given that he now has a second ACL tear. So I think you can bump up sort of that uh, deep safety as a, a bigger need this offseason uh, with maybe Kayvon Wallace serving as the future of the Malcolm Jenkins slash Jalen Mills uh, safety role. I do think Mills will be back, by the way, again next year, mm. maybe on another one year deal. Uh, but, um, the, you know, Wallace will eventually, if you know, if he turns out to be a good player, can fill that role. But they're going to need to fill that deep safety role. Jim Schwartz called the loss of him a gut punch, uh, which you know I understand because he's sort of the the leader of the back end of that defense, getting guys lined up correctly and such. So yeah, I do think it's a it's a, a, a I mean, who cares about short term loss because you know the Eagles aren't going anywhere. But long term, it it is going to mean something next year because there's a good possibility that. If you look at how he didn't play well, you know, the year after suffering an ACL tear in 2019, we can probably project that he's not going to be uh, as fast or as fluid in 2021 as he seemed to be this year. Yeah, he turns 31 in June, and then we don't even know for sure if he'll be ready for week one next year. You no, know? And if he is, it could be kind of coming up right against it. Yes. Um, so that's definitely a concern for the long-term outlook. In the short term, it costs uh, more to cut him. By the way, sorry to cut you off, but it costs more to yeah, cut him than it does get rid of him. Than, than, than it does to keep him. So he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, they could trade him, but that's I mean, no one's going to trade for a player coming off an right. ACL like that. Um, you can spin this into a positive <laughs> if you if you're looking at like okay, now the Eagles get to see some of their young guys. 
Um, I think we probably will be seeing Marcus, a lot of Marcus Epps, yeah. more so in that free safety role. I think the Eagles like him more there than they do Kayvon Wallace, who ideally should probably be playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Yes. Um, I don't think Wallace has been great, by the way. Like just from what we've seen from him this year, like I feel like I've seen more bad in terms of missed tackles and stuff than good. Do you agree with that? So I remember heading into the season, my thinking was that uh, after Jalen Rager, he was the guy most likely to contribute this season, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, I think it was uh, you know you probably put Dr- Jack Driscoll ahead of him in that category, maybe even John Hightower. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's, he's been, I mean, maybe we just sort of, uh, had, uh, maybe our expectations were too high, uh, for a guy that was drafted in the fourth round, uh, at a position that Jim Schwartz has said that, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder for safeties and linebackers to learn his defense than it is for other positions, like along the defensive line or corner or wherever else. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe he'll come along in season two, but I'm with you. I, I think that, uh. I was expecting to see more from him this year than we have. Yeah, I've been underwhelmed is the word I would use. I want to see Graylin Arnold and Elijah Riley out there to some extent. I thought both Elijah of those Riley, guys. Elijah Riley, by the way, promoted. Yep, promoted from the practice squad to the roster. I thought both of those guys showed some nice things in training camp this year. So I'd mm-hmm. kind of like to see uh, what they can do with some playing time. I'm interested to see if they will get playing time. Because again, I think Epps kind of be the main guy there at least uh he'll be playing a good amount and i think wallace will too we'll see a lot of playing time especially because you have to consider Jalen mills might be playing more at cornerback because darius lay yeah is in concussion protocol and obviously avante maddox i'm going to guess he's out for the season doug said he's going to miss quote some time which typically means right. uh a lot of time there's only a few weeks left here so i'm guessing maddox is probably done so we'll see how that goes you know obviously arnold missed this past game with an injury so i'm kind of interested to see the young guys there should also mention the Eagles signed Blake Countess back to the practice squad, Jimmy. Uh, the, no no new ideas here in Philly where they're signing a player who obviously they drafted back in 2016. Right. And now this is his third stint with the Eagles. So he's kind of like the defensive version of Jordan Matthews. So they're, they're thin at safety. And it matters if, you know, if you still care about, you know, the NFC East and whatnot and, and making a playoff run. Um, before we get into that topic, though, Jimmy, because I do want to talk about that. Also want to mention the offensive line shift because that's another new thing. You mentioned Jack Driscoll earlier. Now he's out for the season uh, with the MCL sprain. And the Eagles are now on their 13th different offensive line combination in 14 games with this week's lineup supposed to be or projected to be Jordan Mailata at left tackle, who, by the way, I think he's playing pretty well. Yes. Left guard, Isaac Smallo, center Jason Kelsey, right guard, Nate Herbig, and then right tackle, Matt Pryor, Eesh. Yeah, I thought it might be Brett Toth that they'd start there, but I guess Toth can fill in at either left tackle or right tackle. So yeah. mm, if you're yeah. looking for a reason to <laughs> but whatever. Matt Pryor at right tackle is uh is uh not a very compelling option against this Cardinals team who will probably be seeing a lot of Hassan Reddick, who had five <laughs> sacks against the Giants a week ago. Uh, so he's a hot player heading into this week. Uh, but yeah, the Driscoll injury is, uh, you know, it's it's maybe sounds like a footnote at the end of this sort of uh, disaster of a season. But he's a guy that's, uh, you know, he's a rookie player, can use all the experience that he can get. And I think he was playing well enough where he didn't look at a place as a starter at right tackle. So a little bit of a bummer that we don't get to see him finish out the season, play these last three games. 
and just the lack of offensive line continuity. Like it would have been nice to have for the second time this season the same offensive line carry over, uh, especially for Jalen Hurts. You know, like a rookie, you know, week to week to have that would, seems like it'd be a nice thing, but alas, it yeah, we didn't. We didn't mention, by the way, like you mentioned, you know, Jalen Hurts being able to throw the ball away and not take uh, those uh, sacks, negative and, plays, and negative yeah. that, that Carson Wentz has had so many of when he was the starter. He didn't get. I don't think we mentioned that he didn't get sacked once. Uh, in that and, game, and he got hit once, I think, in terms of a quarterback hit. Right. So part of that is Wentz. Or I'm sorry. Part of that is Hurts, and you know, being able to get rid of the ball, and being smart with the football. Uh, but also part of it is the offensive line played better. And actually, I think it was the first time all year that all five offensive line starters played every snap. So nobody came out of the game at all at any point during yep. that game. Uh, and I thought, you know, we might get that. I mean, we might get a, a like you said. Uh, a little continuity where the same offensive line returns from one week to the next, but uh, nope, it'll be offensive line combination uh, number thirteen 13 and fourteen games, which is uh, it's almost hard to do. Like it's, it's like if you try to do that, it's almost hard to do uh, trying to fit guys in at different spots. But they've managed to do that somehow. Yeah, because you're going to run out of guys at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's only so many combinations. Uh, yeah, on the on the Hertz thing, by the way, it just made me think of something I meant to say earlier to, to get back to Wentz real quickly. I think there is something, too, to like the team rallying when Wentz isn't in there. And not to say like other players necessarily hate Carson Wentz, right. but I mean, it's hard to like deny there's a different energy when there's a different quarterback in there. Maybe that's some of that is because like the backup is in. We need to really, you know, everyone else needs to give that extra effort. But I don't think it's only that. But I'll just leave that there. Um, you know, talking about the short term of this team, Jimmy, I mean, there is some reason to care. I mean, they, they still are alive for the NFC. Some people mm-hmm. probably want to see that. And if the Eagles win this weekend and the car, uh, the Seahawks or the Washington football team loses to the Seahawks, all of a sudden, uh, that game in week 17 could matter. You know, mm-hmm. that could be your NFC East title game. So, so in that vein, do you think Eagles fans should still fully be rooting for the team to lose? Or is there any merit to winning the NFC East, especially if Jalen Hurts is looking good? Because I think that's the, dun- the dilemma there for me, especially. It's like, in theory, my answer to the question is I want them to lose. I want them to lose out. I want them to pretty much like clean house. Um, I don't really want to see Doug gone, but if he is in a clean house, I get it. I'm fine with it. But I mean, if Jalen Hurts plays like, like a really, really good quarterback down the stretch, like, is that better than, you know, losing and regime change? Like, that's that's the tough thing, right. I guess, to reconcile. Yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone what they should be rooting for. Like, if you want to see if, – like, if, your, if your favorite team is the Eagles and you want to see them win whenever they sure. play, then great. I mean, that's what you want them – that's what you want to see. That's what you want to see. I think the Eagles are better off if they lose, though, because they're not going anywhere. Like, the, the ultimately, like, the – the goal of any season is to win the Super Bowl, and they're not going to do that. Like, let's be real. It's, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, you can get rid of that. The point that you make where, you know, you get Jalen Hurts, Hurts a little extra experience, you get on some playoff experience. I think all that's valuable, and that's great. Uh, but when you look at this game that they won on Sunday, if they had lost, they'd be sitting fourth in the draft order mm-hmm. right now because they won their ninth. And the quality of player that you're going to get at four versus at nine is actually pretty substantial. And also, like, the different things that you can do at that spot at four versus at nine uh, could be a lot different as well. Like you're not going to get any, like the possibility of a team wanting to come up into that spot and giving you like a bounty of picks in return that you can 
really kind of fix a lot of different areas in one shot in one draft uh, that goes out the window when you're not at four anymore or possibly three or however high you can get up. You, like you're not getting that package of picks more than likely sitting at pick number nine. So like, I think that difference in, um, you know, in the draft order is, is very significant. And uh, I don't know, I haven't taken a sort of an updated look of uh, at like where, you know, they could reasonably land if they lose these next uh, two or three games or whatever. But uh, certainly that game, uh, while it was I'm sure fun for a lot of Eagles fans to witness some competent offensive football and actually see them win a game after losing four straight miserable games, you know, while, you know, I can understand why that it was fun to actually watch that. It did come at a cost and that was, uh, you know, a substantial drop in, in the draft order. Yeah, I think the way the season is going to end is basically going to be, fittingly, very disappointing in that the Eagles aren't going to be bad enough to get a top pick, like, you know, top five or whatever, but they're not going to be good enough to still steal the division. Like, I think that's where they're going to end up because Washington right. here, um, they just need two more wins in their they're final really three. They have, four, they have four straight wins. And Alex Smith didn't practice today, so we don't know what their quarterback situation is. And I feel a lot worse about them if Haskins is playing, to be quite honest. Um, but the defense still is good, and I think it could be good enough to help them beat Carolina, who they get after. I mean, it could be good enough to beat Seattle still. I mean, look, the Seahawks just lost to the Giants last week. Like, Seattle, you know, they took care of the Jets. But, like, I don't know that it's a lock that Seattle's going to beat uh, Washington this week. Yeah, I, I just don't think the Eagles are going to win the NFC's tier. I think Washington will still find a way to win. But I think the Eagles could win another game or two. I, I do think they, they might, um, which will, again, leave them in that no man's land of like they could potentially be outside the top 10. <laughs> yeah. And, but yet not, you know, in the playoffs. So, which is probably, is the worst thing to happen naturally. And that, that's, and thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course that'll happen because that'll be like the, the least satisfying result. It's not even like, okay, at least we are terrible. And now we're going to bottom out and we get a good draft pick. And now there's reason to clean house. I think it's going to be in between, which will be frustrating. It's kind of like the chip year, the, 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 the year chip got fired where they, yes. they were at one point in that season, they looked like a bottom five team. Like after they had lost those three straight games to, I believe it was the dolphins, which was a little bit closer Then they lost to, I don't know what the order was, but it was the Buccaneers and the lions. They got blown out by both the Bucks and the Lions. The Lions was the last one, I think. I think it was yep. Dolphins, Buccaneers, Lions. And uh, at that point in the season, like they looked like a bottom five team. And uh, they rallied. They won a few games. Like they went to New England. They won that game on the road. That was, of course, the game that uh, DeMarco Murray was uh, reportedly bitching to Laurie on the way back that he wasn't being used enough. And like a game that they won, like they, they won a game against like the best team in the league. <laughs> like after they had lost so many games, whatever. Well, we won't recap that whole season, but. Uh, they wound up uh, getting the, the 13th pick in the draft uh, the following year as a result. Of course, the Eagles traded up from 13 to 8 to 2 to get Carson Wentz. But that was about as bad a scenario of a season as you could get. Remember, like, that Week 17 game? Uh, yeah. Pat DeMarco, Shermer. Yeah, Pat Shermer won a, won a game against the Giants. And I think DeMarco Murray actually had a huge game in that game. Like, he had a really long run. I, I think he had over 100. Like, it was the first time, like, they actually got something out of DeMarco Murray that year. And uh, they want a totally meaningless game, further wrecking their their draft their their spot in the draft order. So yeah, I think there's a possibility that this season will, could possibly mirror that season, and in more than one way, in that you know they're going to wreck their draft order, and they also might you know get their coach fired too. 
So we'll get into this week's Cardinals matchup after the break. But before you skip ahead, podcast listener, because I know you're probably going to do that. You're going to hit that plus 15 button. Don't do it, because let me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Uh, You hear me talk about it all the time. I see sometimes in the reviews on Apple Podcasts, which you should be rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff, by the way. Some, or even on Twitter, some people are like, why is BLG hawking this, these meat products so much? Uh, and the answer is because I believe in them. I do. I've had them myself. I've had every single flavor. I've had a lot of their products, pretty much almost all their products, maybe. They're good. They're quality. You should get them. Uh, you're helping support a local business by helping. Uh, you're also helping support BGN Radio by getting them when you use discount code BGN15 at RightToSellIn.com. They have a bunch of different flavors. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles eat them, and again, they they had more than ever this week before playing the Saints, and and that made a difference for them. Right, they loaded up. So they loaded up. They weren't eating they're... enough during the rest of the season, but they really loaded up yes. the Saints game. That's been the issue. So I think we solved it. That's been the real issue with the Eagles this year. And, you know, look, Jimmy, the holidays are here. Some of them are here. You know, Hanukkah is going on, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is, and, then, yes. and then Christmas coming up. Christmas, did I say Christmas? What did I say there? Christmas? Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Uh, and, you know, any other holiday you may celebrate or may not celebrate. But a uh, good time to get a gift for someone. So you can do that by going to RighteousSellin.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. It's worth it. Give it a try. Let us know how you like it. We will be. I think actually we'll, we will be back in a minute, but I think <laughs> actually we're like a few days into Hanukkah already because on the turnpike, yeah. they have like this giant menorah on one of the sides of the turnpike. And I believe I, when I drove by it, there were, and this is on Tuesday, there were like two or three lights lit already, which signifies each day. Okay. Uh, so I think we're in like day four or five. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Hanukkah celebrators out there. Back after this. Back here for our final segment on BGN Radio episode 160. Jimmy, it's time for our NFL picks. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy, you are 22 and 21 Mm -hmm. after going and one last week, which is oh. the same record as me. We were both now 22 and 21. We're above 500, so that's good. Both went three and one last week. I lost on the Giants game. Uh, I should have accounted for Daniel Jones being a total statue back there, not being healthy. And you lost on the Eagles game because they right. not only covered one yeah. out. I picked them in my regular picks, too. I picked them in my regular picks, too. I, I regret not taking uh, the Eagles straight up because I thought, I was like, they're going to win because this always happens. But I didn't. So therefore, I am eight and five straight up, and you are seven five and one straight up. Yeah. Uh, before we get into this week's Eagles game, we'll spin around the NFC, starting with the Washington Football Team. Seahawks are at Washington, and Seattle is favored by five point five after blowing out the Jets. It's a tough line. The Seahawks are obviously a better team. Uh, of course, the Seahawks have a big advantage on the offensive side of the ball over the Washington Football Team, but. I think the football team has a substantially better defense. So I think this game's maybe a little bit closer than what that line would indicate. I'd like that line to be like six or more. So 5.5 is, I don't love it. Like I wouldn't make this in my picks, but I will take the football team to cover that spread. And I think they can win that game outright. Like I said, they, they've won four, four games in a row and uh, they've looked good in a few of those games uh, in doing that. So 
I'm going to ride the uh, football team for a little bit here, and uh, we'll take them maybe not to win outright. I think they can win outright, but I'll definitely take those points. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you there. I think they've looked pretty good lately. They kind of need to get Antonio Gibson back here and get that run game going to give the offense some kind of life. And obviously, I really don't feel good if it is Dwayne Haskins instead of Alex Smith. I think that's a big difference. For Uh, sure. With that said, though, I don't totally trust Seattle. Uh, They totally play down to their level of competition. We just saw that with the Giants a couple weeks ago. This game is on the road for them. I, you know, they they just flew out here cross country to play the Jets. Like I don't know. I just I I don't. No, that was uh, that that was in Seattle. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, edit that part out and then just (laughs) you know. Uh, but yeah, okay. So well, they well they were also home against the Giants too, weren't they? Okay, yeah. So. Anyway, uh, terrible point by me. But in any case, I will take Washington as well with the points. Jimmy, the 49ers are three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Dallas Football Cowboys. This is a really tough one because I don't think this 49ers team is good at all. Like, I, I mm-hmm. think they're trash personally. But so are the Cowboys. <laughs> so uh, tough call here. It's, it's, it is interesting that, that the 49ers are 3.5 road favorites here. Cowboys are they're just so bad and I trust to some degree that I mean the, the Cowboys the, they're real like their real Achilles heel is that they just can't stop the run and mm-hmm. one thing I think that you can maybe count on the 49ers to do a little bit of um, even with all their injuries and whatnot is I, think, I think they can run the ball especially on this team so uh, I'll take the 49ers to win and also to cover I will ring the bell and I will take the Dallas Cowboys because Nick Mullins is terrible. And uh, I mean, if he's bad enough to lose the Eagles, he really is. He really is. Yes. And I feel like the 49ers are getting overrated in terms of just a couple of weeks ago, they were actually favored against the bills when they played like a couple of weeks ago. I don't understand that. Like I looked at that line and I was like, so my, I'll just bring, take you through my process whenever I make my picks each week. So like, I won't look at the spread. I normally make them by now. I didn't make them this week, but I'll, I won't look at the spread. I'll just, I'll, cause I have to like type out all the, like the, you know, this team versus this team, this team versus this team. And I'll put down like what I think the spread will be. And if it doesn't match or if like I'm, I'm off by like two or three points or more sometimes, then uh, I view that game much differently than Vegas does. And that point, like, so that Bills 49ers game, like I had the Bills as like significant favorites in that game. And I was like, wait, that can't be right. So I figured, like, is Josh Allen hurt? Is, like, do, I, do they have something going on that, like, I'm unaware of? And no, like, not at all. So I never understood why that, what that line was, what, what, what that was all about. And really all it is is that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year. And people view them as a good team. And it takes a while for people to transition from, okay, this isn't a good team anymore. And that happened for a little while with the Patriots, too, this year, where their lines were, like, like, I mean, they just didn't make any sense for, you know, the kind of team that they were as opposed to their reputation. So I think that's all that's going on or was for a while with the 49ers. But I think this line, I think this line in particular is probably right because the Cowboys are just, the Cowboys are more ass than <laughs> the 49ers. So I'll, again, I'll go 49ers here, but I think that's all that's going on there is uh, the, the Niners have that rep for being a good team because they played the Super Bowl last year. Okay. Well, I'll take Dallas. Um, Browns are four and a half point favorites at the New York football giants. I think Daniel Jones is doubtful to play in this game. He's certainly hobbled against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. 
who do you have in this one? Yeah, the Giants aren't a good team. <laughs> like they had that winning streak, which is great for them, whatever. Uh, Joe Judge was starting to get some like uh, coach of the year like buzz, which made no sense to me because at the time they were five and seven. And then, you know, they maybe they started reading their own press or whatever, smelling themselves, whatever you want to call it. And they got dominated uh, last week or on Sunday uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. So I just don't think they're a very good team. I think the Browns are a perfectly fine team. And I think the Browns have that run game. It's going to be some probably pretty bad weather uh, this week in uh, in the Meadowlands. And I like the Browns who have played in bad weather games all year. And their, their, this, their style of play really suits that well. I'll take the Browns uh, minus four and a half. I'll take the Browns as well. I think it's going to be Colt McCoy. I'm not counting on the Colt McCoy revenge game, you know, played for the Browns once upon a time. Kind of crazy that Colt McCoy is still around to me. I'm like, played for a lot of like, Yeah. How many teams does he play for? I'm going to look that up while you're He's played for the, uh, this is a good podcast. He's played for the Browns. He's played for the Washington football team, obviously. No. I don't think, the Cowboys, I don't think so. Oh, actually, it's only four teams. Browns, Niners, football team, and Giants. Forgot about the 49ers. The Browns, they're coming off this big emotional loss uh, game of the year, really, on uh, Monday Night Football against the Ravens. Talked about that with my uh, SB Nation NFL co-host Rob Sassigrera on the, uh, the the off-day debrief, which you should also check out if you listen, like this show and like listening to me. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the Browns here, too. Giants with Colt McCoy, just not feeling it as much. I think I feel a little bit better about the Giants than you do or get, was willing to give them a little bit more credit, but playing Daniel Jones last week was a really bad decision, and uh, maybe they're due for some bad karma uh, for that. And McCoy, Colt McCoy hasn't looked very good when he's been in either right. anyway. So, hey, yeah, that brings us to the Eagles, Jimmy, who are underdogs once again. They're going out to the desert in the Arizona football Cardinals are six and a half point favorites. Who you got in this one? Yeah, less than ideal to head into this matchup with so many injured cornerbacks when you you have Nuke and you have uh is it Nuke or is it Nuke? I think it's Nuke, right? Nuke. But then why isn't there an E? I think it's like a U with a line over it. Mm. It's like a, a long U. I could be wrong. I don't know. I always called him Nuke. So I don't know. I'm, I'm generally asking. Yeah. I think I've heard announcers say Nuke. I like Nuck better though. What would what would Nuck mean though? I don't know. <laughs> I just like it because it's Nuke the Bomb. Okay, that's his Twitter handle. Is Nuke the Bomb? I think right. I don't know. Nuke, not, a nuke is a bomb. Nuke isn't a bomb. Mm, I don't know. Maybe they named the bomb Nuke. I think. Uh, if anyone wants to chime in, uh, BGM <laughs> Nuke or NUC. That's <laughs> BGM. All right. Um, anyway. So uh, not good to have a weekend secondary when you're facing, when you're a, facing a Nuke and Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and uh, and that offense. So uh, that's and Andy Isabella. And Andy Isabella, yeah. You, know, you certainly don't want to be uh, trotting out um, Kevon Seymour against Andy Isabella. Anyway. Uh, so there's that. And then, you know, there's also the fact that the Eagles just aren't a good football team. <laughs> so I think, the, you know, we shouldn't forget that after they won one game uh, against, albeit a good opponent, opponent in the Saints. But let's not forget that they're still a bad team. Their, their offensive line, as we noted earlier, is uh, missing yet another player in Jack Driscoll. They got to start Matt Pryor at right tackle, as we noted earlier. Uh, that's not great against what's a pretty athletic uh, Cardinals defense. Uh, our friend Dan Klausner pointed out that 
They're fast at all three levels of the defense on their line, their linebackers, and then their secondary. So I think it's a bad matchup for, um, a, you know, a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts. I don't think they're going to be able to, um, have as much success on the ground. Uh, I mean, and that's a high bar seeing as they ran for 246 yards last Sunday, but I don't think they're going to have that kind of success or anything close to it against this Cardinals defense. And I think this Cardinals team, while, you know, I think they, they might've been a little overrated a little earlier in the year. It's not a great team. It's not a bad team. I think they're kind of like a, a slightly above average team uh, with an exciting quarterback. They're fun to watch, but I don't, I don't think they're a great team, but I think they're certainly uh, more than good enough to not only beat this Eagles team, but handle them pretty easily. So I'll take the Cardinals mm. and I'll lay the 6.5 points. All right, here's my spiel on where I stand with this. I think the Cardinals defense might be a little underrated, actually. Um, you know, Vance Joseph seems to be doing a good job there. Buda Baker is awesome, by the way. Awesome player, like defensive player of the year kind of candidate, right? Like in that, belongs in that consideration. Probably like that kind of stats, but the impact yeah. that he has on games is significant. Caliber, I would say, like yes. like that kind of caliber of a player. Like he could he could feasibly do that in his career at some point yes. if he continues on this path too. So yeah, they they have and obviously Reddick coming off the big game. So they rank eighth in opponent yards per play, and they're actually ninth in defensive DVOA. So it's a good defense now. The Saints defense is even better in those categories. So uh, you take that into account. I think Jalen Hurts, you know, has breathed legitimate life into this offense. I do wonder about the sustainability. You know, that's the the next big question to be answered. Can they keep this up? Is this like a one week kind of game plan against the Saints that you can, all right, you want a game with it, but you can't really kind of just do that same thing again. You can't just keep doing that. Um, I, I think there's, I don't think it was a fluke though. I don't think it was just about, you know, the, the Eagles being the Saints wasn't just about being a fluke offensively. I think they did some legitimately nice things. And I think uh, Hertz's playing style lends to a brand of winning football when he's not making those mistakes. Now, obviously, you know, they did, they did have the drop pick six, kind of a big deal. Um, and he left some plays on the field. You know, he missed Rager on that deep shot. Overall, though. Forgot about that drop pick six. Who was that? Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. That could have been, a, yeah. The, the, I think yeah. the narrative on the way that yes. Hertz played is different if uh, if – Chauncey Gardner Johnson makes that play. Overall, I feel pretty. I have a level of confidence in Jalen Hurts. I do. Just I, like he was composed out there, and I just feel like I kind of have a baseline idea of what to expect from him. Uh, I, I think he'll do some things. I, I think he'll do enough to have this offense still looking functional. Um, although, again, Matt Pryor starting kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but I, I think Hurts will do okay, and I think the defense is concerning when you look at. You do have. Kevin, Kavon, Kavon, Seymour uh, in the secondary, and there's a lot of injuries there. But the thing I'll say about that is Jim Schwartz kind of finds a way to make that work to some extent. Like, it's not like sometimes sometimes they also just give up. I mean, we've seen, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, no, uh, we've seen games where they had to have, you know, these deep reserves in like the Saints playoff game. Uh, yeah, but they, how many points did they give up in that game? They only gave up what, true, like twenty. True, but they still—I mean, they still just attacked that guy. Who was it? Yeah, uh, Josh Hawkins. That's right. And then uh, also in the Saints game earlier in that regular season, they're they're playing guys like Shannon Sullivan, who actually turned out to be a decent player elsewhere, and um, uh, Shields guy. Who was Shields the corner? 
Devontae Bowles. That's it, Big Bowles. He's in Denver now and, is, and plays there. <laughs> um, 20 points is what they allowed, by the way, uh, to the Saints in that playoff game. So I think he kind of finds a way to make it, make it work. Okay. Um, not necessarily pretty, but my long-winded spiel here is basically I think the Eagles can at least find a way to make this competitive. And I think they at least cover. I'll take them to win outright. Really? For the sake yeah, for the sake of you're risking your your small your slim lead over me. You're eight you're eight and five. Uh, yeah, straight up. I'm seven five and one. Yep, I'm risking it in part because right. if I'm thinking the worst thing is for them to lose games here, then I have to put the jinx out there, and I and I have to do the hedge where if I win, then I'm above you in the picks. I increase my lead. Well, yeah, you got locked up at that point because you can just go chalk the rest of the way and. Exactly. I'm going, for, I'm going for the win here. Uh, or I lose and the best thing for the team happens. So really, I'm, I'm playing it smart in my mind. Like, uh, like two minutes left, you have the ball and the lead, and you're going for it on like fourth and five at the yeah. party. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a ballsy move. Maybe ill advised. We'll see. I feel good about Jalen Hurts. I, I, I feel encouraged. So I'm betting on what I saw. And uh, and the Cardinals could be zero and five, or they should have been zero and five heading into this week's game. You know, if not for that hail mary catch, that's what they would have been well, heading into last week's game. You mean? Sorry, yeah, last week's game. Sorry, and then they beat a Giants team again that shouldn't have been playing Daniel Jones because he couldn't even move. Well, he still they did he, beat them emphatically, though. Yeah, but like he couldn't move. He couldn't. He shouldn't have been playing. He, they played a quarterback who was not ready to play that's at like all. Last he was year ready they to play. Saquon when he wasn't re- when he wasn't fully ready yet too. Mm-hmm. So I think that was an issue. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take the Eagles to win outright. Okay. But they at least cover. I think they at least cover. Uh, so that's the prediction. Anything right. else, Jim? No, I think that's it for me. You? It's snowing outside. We're recording this on Wednesday. It's like 4 p.m. right now. It's starting to accumulate out there, too. What's that? It's starting to accumulate out there, too. Yes, it I, is. My, so. car, um, my car is covered right now. Okay. Got to go clean it off. Not that you probably have anywhere to be, though. No, I'm not going anywhere. Where's there to go? <laughs> no, I'm not going anywhere. All right. So this has been BGN Radio, episode 160, brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Turkey. Again, go to rightdesellin.com. Get your friends, family, some gifts for Christmas or any other holidays, Hanukkah, whatever. And use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Go check out the SB Nation NFL show where we are breaking things down, not just the Eagles, although we do talk about them, too. But we league-wide stuff, uh, go check that out. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate the support we've seen on there. And obviously, we leave a rating and review here, too, for BGN Radio, for, for Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed. We really appreciate it. So uh, we thank you for all the support. Jimmy is on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky. You can check his work out at phillyvoice.com. I'm Brandon Gowton, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can check me out on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Check out my work at bleedinggreennation.com. Jimmy, I have a special guest lined up for Friday. You know, obviously, some of these big-time people, you know, you never know if they, they'll kind of cancel out on you. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, it's in the plan. So hopefully that comes through and you can check that out on the feed dropping later this week. Oh, you can't say who it is. Well, I don't want to say it, you know, until – it'll it'll be a nice little surprise. Oh, uh, uh, you, you can tell me when, when we're done. And yeah, the listeners uh, can be annoyed that they don't get to hear it. For sure. So <laughs> – uh, this has been BGN Radio, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.